is Jessica, and our family has been attending this season of our lives since last May. I would say it's definitely a God thing. We were attending a church in Battle Creek, and I had been really desiring a mom group because we've moved a lot, and every location that we've been in, that's kind of where I had my support and just was able to connect and find strength because as a mom of young children, it can be very isolating unless you branch out. So I've been really desiring that and I was driving down whatever road the church is on and uh, it said mops starting January something. And I spotted it and I said, I need that. I have to get there. Um, so that was my first experience. The woman within the group just seemed so natural and uh, transparent and I saw myself really relating to them easily. We signed up our son Ross to go to um, the summer camp, VBS. And I absolutely loved how warm and welcoming the leaders were, just full of smiles. And you could tell that the kids knew they were loved and that they were safe. They're being exposed to the word and that um, they're around peers who are also experiencing that. One of my prayers since before having children was that they will have strong Christian friends. Honestly, I feel like the support that I have received from the church personally, it has been a springboard to support our family. Well, knowing that there's there potentially could be an indoor playground, that is huge. Um, actually, that's probably where I have met a lot of other parents and been able to meet other children. Um, and they want to play on the structure all year round, but we can't right now because <laughs> it's cold. So I could see that being huge, having the kids have a spot to go to. And if it's open to the community, uh, basically sharing Christ with the community in that way and bringing in more families. and. I know that as a parent, it would be much more um, satisfying or just I would feel safer knowing that the children are in one location closed off and uh, that I, there's no walkthroughs, any potential for harm in any way. Having those um, opportunities, not only for the church, but for us to invite others alongside us because I mean, we're here to share Jesus, to show his love. And so having a, um, a very safe space for kids and a very welcoming atmosphere, supportive atmosphere for families, uh, excellent teaching that's so practical to use. Um, I just could see the church having a huge impact in the whole Marshall community. I'm super excited to see what God is doing with the church and um, how he's going to use a physical change to bless people spiritually and emotionally. God can use anyone and he can use any space, any structure. And uh, it's really neat to see um, how things are changing with our church and how that will bless our community. Good morning. Have you settled in yet? Comfortable staring at each other, looking across, seeing one another. See, I love this because I get to be a whole lot closer and you can't hide as far in the back when I'm walking around. And, you know, and then I get really close to like Tristan here and, you know, just, you know, can stand right here really close to him and make him uncomfortable. Morning, how you doing? Is, uh, 
no, it's so good to, to be here together as family. And I love the story that Jessica just shared and loved hearing her kids in the background uh, because we are a family Bible church. And it's more than just our own biological families. It is this um, family that extends far beyond that, uh, that we gather together and we connect with one another. We grow and we share life and we share heartache and tears and uh, the different moments of, of life that are together. I was thinking about family and thinking about uh, a group of individuals from 124 years ago. I did not know them, in case you're wondering, uh, like young kids in here. Uh, I had ice cream with some of my son's friends the other day, and they're like, you have gray hair in your beard. Yes, I do. I'm old. Did not know the people 124 years ago, but in Holland, Michigan, a group of sophomores and a group of freshmen grabbed a rope, stretched it out, and pulled against one another. In 1898, this group began what is now known as the pole. And ever since that day, they stretched this rope across the Black River in Holland, and they pull, and they pull, and they pull. 18 individuals on each side of the river. And they pull, they put a time limit on, on it years ago, um, up to three hours that they pull on this rope. And so what they do is they have coordinated pulls. There's someone there coaching them, calling out certain things, and they will pull for a certain amount of time and then turn over on the rope and lock in in the trenches that they've built. And then they'll do it again and again and again, working ultimately to see who is pulled the furthest in the amount of time. Now, today we're not pulling against each other. Rather, we're pulling together. Or as Paul put it, is that we're pressing on towards the goal which Christ has called us heavenward. And so we move together as a family. Scripture says without vision, people perish. And that's eternally and that is now because we just wander if we don't have a vision or a direction of what we're doing. And so Paul says we press on towards this goal. And I love what the Lord saw for the church, what Jesus came and the establishment of the church after Jesus is that these local communities of intentional connection with one another, places where God would do a work through individuals. And so today what we want to look at is we want to look at family, we want to look at the church, we want to talk a bit about the purpose of it and unity within it. Now I'm going to speak on unity and that does not mean uniformity because we are different. We are human beings we think differently, we move differently, we communicate differently. So when I say unity, it is not uniformity. That is far from anything we want because God created this world with great beauty and great diversity and great creativity. And so it is not just about one thing. So the church, it's not a building, it's not a physical structure. We gather in something we call the church, but you are the church. Those that gathered in first service is the church. The church down the road, the body down the road, you know, the, the continual churches along here, it is the body of Jesus Christ. And so today we're going to look at two different sections of Scripture, one being in Ephesians 2 and then the other being in 1 Corinthians 3. These will be on the screen, but if you'd like to turn to Ephesians 2 or 1 Corinthians 3, you're welcome to do so. And so today is Commitment Sunday. And if you're visiting with us for the first time, or if you're visiting, you know, just checking the church out, you've been here a couple times, just listen in, okay? I don't want you to feel any sort of obligation or pressure or thought, because our church has been moving through what we've called forward. What does it mean to move forward as a church? With two real intentional purposes with this. Is one, sacrificially giving ourselves relationally to connect with someone that's not walking with Jesus. And this person is not a project, 
that's ridiculous and it's fake and no one wants to be a project. It's true, authentic relationship that you and I are, are intentionally investing in people around us. And the second part is physical space and place. We've heard this morning already in the video and talked about the opportunities we have. If you're visiting with us, we have some booklets by the doors um, that are in like magazine style. Feel free to take one of those to learn more about what we're doing. But I want to start in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. It says this, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. So there is an identity before that Paul is speaking in here, is that there is a separation, foreigners, strangers, there was not the connection. But Paul is saying, because of what God has done, because of Jesus Christ, there's connection. You're citizens. You're members of a household. You have a place, a place where you belong, where you're called, where you have a purpose and a plan for others around you and with others around you. But it's not just your own creativity, your own intellect. It's built, as verse 20 says, on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. So we build upon a foundation that's already there. That's Jesus. And the apostles and the prophets and those who have followed Jesus, who have come before us, have built on this as well. We've talked about this again and again. We sit here today because there were others who took steps of faith, who sacrificed, who gave of themselves their time, their treasure, their talents, so that we could participate today. There's a foundation. It says, uh, Christ Jesus himself is the chief cornerstone. Verse 21. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, too, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So catch that. He's saying, all of us are being built. It says temple, think church, where the spirit of God dwells. That's a pretty powerful statement. It's the church coming together where God's presence is palpable. It's, it's here together. See, Jesus prayed for unity. He prayed that his disciples would be one because division causes chaos. Division causes all sorts of problems and issues. He prayed for, again, this unity that we would be founded and rooted in Jesus Christ. Now, we all come from a, a place and a background, and there's different seasons and opportunities that we've walked into this church. And I did this about a year ago, and I, I want to take a moment and do this again, just because I think it's really it's interesting, at least to me, if uh, you know, I find enjoyment, if no one else. Uh, I would like you to think about when you first came to this church. When did you first come to FBC? So we opened our doors in 1984. Um, and so I want to start with those of you that came in 1984 till about 1990, the first five or six years of the church, would you stand and remain standing? Did you do that? First five to six years of the church. All right, all right. <laughs> what about, how did I break this down next? Um, let's see here, the 90s, the entire span of the 90s. So it was before the sanctuary was built, you still met in the youth room down there, um, or this was brand new in the very late 90s, those that came in the 90s. All right, thank you for continuing to stand. Uh, what about between 2000 and 2010? You came somewhere in that range. I don't really have any markers for that, uh, but 2000 to 2010. 
Some of you were born at that time. I love the standing of that. And you came. Thank you for coming. You didn't really have a choice. Did you came with your parents there. Uh, what about somewhere between 2011 and 2020? 2011 and 2020, somewhere in that ballpark. And then what about the unfortunate marker that is just going to be stamped in our history of you came uh, COVID and beyond. So that would be like March of 2020 and to today. So really everyone should be standing at this point, right? Because you're here. Maybe you fell asleep. Um, so we all came at different points, right? We all came and, and, and invested and, and have um, had all sorts of different life experiences. But here we are today, whether this is your first day or whether you are here on the very first day of this church. We stand together as a church, walking forward, moving forward into what God is calling us into, built upon a foundation of Jesus Christ and the work that others have done along the way. You may be seated. Thank you for participating. So glad. So as we wrap up service here in just a short while, what we're going to do is uh, we've asked, again, this is for those of you that have been participating with us, not who are brand new, listen in. You can participate if you want, but feel no obligation. We've been moving towards this day. We've been moving towards this Commitment Sunday. And, uh, and I want to explain in some detail at the end of what's going to happen and how we're going to do this. But I've asked you to do a couple things. Is One, to pray. What is God moving in you? When you think about what we've been talking about and, and the journey we've been on, is, does it bring about excitement or does it bring about a trepidation? And pray. And then I've invited you to participate along the way. That's why we've given devotionals and prayers and worship nights and, um, and uh, different vision gatherings to participate because we want to see what God does and speaks in our, our midst. And it's been a true, true joy to listen to stories. That has become and been my favorite part of this journey, is hearing the stories that you hear on the screen, but in vision gatherings and other gatherings of transformation, of salvation, of, of growth, of, you know, this was going on in my family, and then I stepped into the church, and these people gathered me up, and, and they really cared for me and brought me down this path and healed. It was this real stories of family and connection. And so we we'll to look into Scripture before we get to the end here with the commitment part. So turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 with me. We're going to spend our time here today. Now I want you to notice right off the bat the first three words that Paul uses. Brothers and sisters. It's family. He's identifying those that he's writing to as family. Writing to this church at Corinth. And he says this. Now he starts off with a scolding. It's one of these things of like, we're family, I love you, but we need to have a conversation. Right? You've been there. You have. He says this. He says, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? So there he is speaking to the church saying, hey, listen, you've got some issues going on. There is a lack of unity. And the reason being is you're jealous of one another. You're quarreling. You're fighting over things. And you're not moving in a common direction. Verse 4 says this. He's going to identify the problem. For when one says, I follow Paul, who's writing this letter, 
and another, I follow Apollos, another leader in that time, are you not mere human beings? And notice in verse five, the words that I've underlined here is that I would at least assume that he would say, who after all is Apollos? And who is Paul? But rather, Paul says this, what after all is Apollos? And what is Paul? So Paul is saying, hey, listen, you're following these people and they're wonderful, they're great, you know, they're, they're doing the work of the Lord. But he said, what is there? What is their function? What is their purpose? And he says it in the next verse. He says, only servants. They're only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned each his task. So he's saying they're people. They're part of the family of God. They have a job to do. They're servants. Verse six says, I, being Paul, planted a seed, the seed, the church. Apollos watered it with his teaching. But who has been making it grow? Who? God. So that's great that Paul was doing the work. That's great that Apollos was doing the work. But growth comes from God. It's God that causes that growth. So Paul and Apollos have a part. The entire church has a part. We all have a part. Verse 7 says this, So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. Verse 8, The one who plants and the one who waters will have one purpose, and they will be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are, God, for we are the co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. So what he's saying is that it's not marketing, it's not social media, it's not brilliance of communication, it's not the worship, it's not the lighting, it's not these things that are making it grow. It's God's work, it's God's that brings the growth, but we all have a part, we all bring gifts to it. Those are all supporting elements, your spiritual giftings, your giving, your whatever it is, are all parts as co-workers all together. But it's God who makes it grow. In verse 10, Paul shifts from this picture of farming to building, and he says, by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, or this word can be translated as architect, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any other foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. So again, Paul is saying, hey, we all have a part and we're all doing things, but our motivation has to be Jesus. It has to be built on the foundation of Jesus. Otherwise, something's going to happen, and it's not going to stand. It's not going to last. It can't be built on ethics or morality or tradition or sentimental love or good works or systems, whatever it may be. There's got to be a solid foundation that we point to. Verse 12 says this, If anyone builds on the foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day, this is probably capitalized in your translation, the day, meaning judgment day, the day that the Lord returns to earth, the day that he ushers in the kingdom of God, that the resurrection of the dead occurs, that we are judged. He says, what will be built? It will be revealed with fire, and fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it's burned up, the builder will suffer loss, yet be saved. Even though only as one escaping through the flames. So what he's saying is that what we invest in, what we put our effort and our time and how we build and how we give and how we use our gifts, 
there's going to be a reckoning of that. And what is like hay and straw will just be consumed by the fire. But what is valuable, the way we sacrifice, the way we lay ourselves out, the way we serve and walk with Jesus, that's going to last. There's eternal impact in that. There's eternal good in that. And this last part, what I just read, so often we read that as an individual of like, oh, I'll do just enough and I'll just just make it through the fire, just make it into heaven and I'm good. This is a way that this can be taught so often. But really, he's talking to the church. What is the church, the body, together doing, investing in time, talent, treasure, whatever it may be? And what's gonna last? What's eternal? That's why we've talked so much about people as we've walked through these weeks, is it's not about brick and mortar. Brick and mortar space gives us opportunity to do this, to worship together, to connect with one another, to serve, to go out into the world. But the end result is not brick and mortar. What we're talking about here is people. And that's been the beauty of these stories. There was one vision gathering where we started off and asking, you know, what has God been doing around you? How has God been working? And the first two people stood up and was like, hey, I've been praying for someone, talking with someone, they receive Christ. What we see with what God's doing in our kids and around here is people saying yes to Jesus, people being baptized, people walking with the Lord. It's an amazing thing to watch. And he's doing that together, not because of one person or two people, but rather because of the body here. What you all are doing, working and serving the Lord together. Verse 16 says this. Don't you know that you yourselves, the church, are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? I love this passage because, yes, as individuals, we can experience the spirit of God. We can recognize God's presence in prayer and personal worship. But this verse is saying, don't you know that God's spirit dwells in your midst as the church? that like here and now and together. And I love listening to worship this morning as we gather. There's nothing like coming together in worship. I mean, I could sing in my car in worship and it sounds nothing like this. I promise you that. <laughs> and it's so much more beautiful when there's others. I just pause and I listen and just say, thank you, Jesus. And if you were here Wednesday night, I mean, it was, I don't even know how to say it. Like, I, this is the way I said it in first service. Is like, if you weren't here Wednesday, you just missed out. That's, I'm going to be very blunt. Like, God's spirit was just moving as we prayed together and we worshiped together and we, we moved throughout the building and the property and, and in here. But we were together. God's spirit dwells in our midst. Verse 17, Paul's encouraging this, saying, don't, don't forsake meeting together. Be together. Verse 17, he says this. Here's a really strict warning here, stern warning. If anyone destroys God's temple, the church, God will destroy that person. Those are some serious words. For God's temple, the church is sacred, and you together are that temple. Now, without question, the church has issues, the global church and the local church. We are not exempt. Like, we have so much opportunity for growth deeper in prayer and in worship and in the way we disciple one another and the way we care for one another. There are so many opportunities. But what Paul is saying here is, if anyone destroys God's temple, God's going to destroy that person. And he says that you are that temple. And so what is he getting at? He's getting at these very 
realities that we walk in judgment of one another. Like, we attack each other as Christians. I don't get it. We tear down one another, or we tear down another church, or we tear down whatever it is that God is doing that, that the Lord may be working in a different way. And we just are like, well, you're wrong. We're looking at outside the foundation of Jesus Christ. There's a firm judgment that comes when we tear down others in the body of Christ. He says this. Some of you are going like, well, what about this? He says, don't deceive yourselves. Do not deceive yourselves. If any of you think you are wise by the standards of this age, so the measurement of the world around us, you should become fools so that you may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. Paul uses this word fools and the word foolishness. It's the same root word that we get our word moron from. So what Paul is saying, he's saying the wisdom of our world that we so often operate by is moronic compared to God's wisdom and God's word. So we have the option. We can lean into and hold on to the word of God and what God teaches and being led by the spirit of God. We can embrace the wisdom of the world that Paul talks about and we just need to take on that moron title. He's calling the church. Don't be lured away with the wisdom of the world, which is so tempting, which is so alluring, that calls us away from each other and calls us away from the cross. I mean, the scripture talks about how the, the message of the cross is foolishness to the world. But it's wisdom and life to those who are being redeemed, it says. Paul continues on as we wrap up this passage. He catches the wise in their craftiness, and, and then in verse 20, and again, the Lord knows that the thoughts of the wise are futile. So then no more boasting about human leaders. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Caiaphas or the world or life or death or the present or the future are all yours. And you are of Christ and Christ is of God. So again, he goes back to this identity that you are part of the family of God, that Jesus is the foundation, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. All other things pass away. All other things pass away. The church, the family of God, the word of God endures forever. And this is where we should want to invest our time, our talent, our treasures, and use our gifts. Paul wrote at the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. He said, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. This is a deeply challenging verse to all of us because like, we want to do church, we want to be a part of church, but like, to fully give ourselves to the work of the Lord, now I say church is like part of the body and the work that the Lord's doing through that because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Paul is saying the work, the investment, the time, it's, the Lord is, is using it. This is a loving appeal from Paul not to be idle, not to sit around and just watch, but to be a participant. Because what the church does today, where Jesus is at the center, it matters in eternity and not just now. Bill Frey, he said this. He said, hope is hearing the music of the future Hope is hearing 
excuse me, hope is hearing the music of the future and faith is dancing to it today. So hope is that like we're hearing it. It's there, it's present. But I'm gonna have faith today to dance to that music. I'm gonna participate today knowing that God's doing something that he's working ahead of me even though I can't see it fully now. And so we move forward in faith. Like I mentioned earlier, is the stories that people have told uh, during the last number of weeks have just been so encouraging. Um, and I know many of you have shared those stories and heard those stories, and, and I pray that you've been encouraged as well. As we walked into this series, uh, into this season, we started first looking at Nehemiah. Nehemiah had a burden. He had a, a vision, and he went and he gathered people, and he returned to Jerusalem, and together, the people did a great thing. They returned worship there. Returned a vibrancy. They brought the people back together. And I invited you that day to pray and participate and ultimately to think about this day, to pray towards this day, this Commitment Sunday. The second week, we talked about faith. We talked about trusting in God. That we focused on, you know, these, there's these threshold moments in life. If you remember the video I showed you about that little kid on the diving board. Like we stand on this diving board looking at that water going like, oh, am I gonna jump or not? Sometimes it takes people going ahead of us, like the older gentleman in that video. But we all stand at these thresholds as individuals, as families, as a church. And go, there's possibility. Am I gonna step over that threshold or am I gonna step back? It takes faith to move forward. And that faith is not in our own ability, but rather it's in God's power and God's provision, and God's presence we talked about. Last week, we talked about generosity. We talked about how we serve a generous God who was generous at the beginning with creation and was generous with Jesus on the cross. A God who works in abundance, not in scarcity. But I'm so tempted to live in scarcity of, well, what if I don't have enough? Versus trusting an abundant God. And so what is our mindset about God? Is it one who's abundant or one who operates in scarcity? And then what does that look like in my life? Is it greed, like I keep? Or is it generosity that I replicate in God? And so today we move to a point where, um, we've been talking about it for a long time, we've been praying about it. And uh, I'll give you instructions in just a moment here, but would you join me in prayer? Merciful Father, Lord, you God, have done a great work throughout the years. Um, Lord, I just think of moments throughout time that you have moved and God, that you continue to move. And Lord, I thank you for the family that you've designed through the body of Christ, the church. Um, Lord, we're just one small part of the church of Jesus Christ, those who follow after you. Lord, I pray that we would be a people who, God, recognize that you dwell in our presence as we gather. Lord, that you call us to uplift one another, that you call us to build in faith, Lord, into one another through salvation, discipling one another, praying for one another, caring for one another, Lord, showing that healing is possible. God, I pray that you would continue to do a work in and through, Lord, the gathered body that calls FBC home, Lord, that ultimately calls you Savior. Lord, in just a moment, um, we're gonna take a step of faith. Some of this room will take a step of faith. 
And I pray that you would speak to them. Uh, Lord, you just move upon them. God, you'd affirm um, or challenge, whatever it needs to do, that your spirit would do a work in and through them. We give you thanks. We lift your name high. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to invite everyone here um, just to grab one of these cards. Whether you're going to participate or not, I'm going to ask you to grab one of these cards here. What you have before, you can also see it on the screens here, is there's a section. I want to give you some uh, brief instruction here. Uh, hopefully you receive this in the mail. You can fill one out here, whatever you brought. Is Who's your one on the left side there? Is that this is a person that you are intentionally investing into, that you're praying for, that's not walking with Jesus. And so this is your household. Uh, so if there's more than one, just you and your household, and you know that there's other ones that your family uh, is uh, praying for and investing in, you can write the first names down. We don't need last names. Um, just the person's first name, uh, however many there are. And then in the upper right corner is the My Financial Commitment. And this is just strictly for the building, what we've been talking about. And so this is just that part there. And you can fill in whatever one of those um, lines that may be that represent your financial commitment there over the next three years. And then there's also a line there too for a catalyst gift. Um, what a catalyst gift is, is uh, scripture calls it a first fruits gift. Is that something that you just may feel like you want to lead with? You can if you so choose. Um, by no means feel any sort of obligation in anything I'm saying here today. This has got to be a, a God-led reality. Um, so you can commit to a catalyst gift. And if you're bringing a catalyst gift, uh, Celebration Sunday, May 29th, two weeks from today, uh, we're just encouraging people to bring it to that as part of the celebration, uh, if that's something that you would like to do. And so um, who's your one? What's your financial commitment? And I'm happy to say, too, is that uh, on Friday night, your leaders um, of the church here, so staff, deacons, the campaign team, um, wanted to take a step uh, and, and take a step uh, ahead and lead in this way. And 100% of staff, uh, deacons, and campaign team uh, filled out and committed with a pledge card. And so just um, really happy that we can say that with you today. And so um, if you have currently, I know the one other thing I forgot to say, if you have already filled out some sort of one card, it's hanging out there, um, or you're already giving to the building committee, or building committee, not, not the building committee, they're not getting money, I promise. Uh, the building fund, that sounds really bad. Um, the building fund, just consider this as like, a, like wiping everything out of the past and starting fresh. So I've already written my one's name out there. Um, I'm writing it down here. Um, you know, if you're still giving to the building fund, just think in your mind, zero that out, and what is your new pledge there? Hopefully I've covered what I need to with this. What I'm gonna invite you to do is take a moment, uh, if you are here with someone and uh, you're giving together, uh, that you would pray uh, with uh, your family or whoever that may be. Um, if you're here on your own and you're giving, just take a moment to pray, fill this out, and then uh, when you're ready, uh, would you come forward with a white side down and just drop it in one of these baskets? Uh, there's two here and there's two there. And, uh, and then what we'll do is we're gonna, I'll have a couple few comments to wrap up and we'll sing a couple songs and we'll be out of here. So would you take a few moments to pray, um, to fill out your card and then uh, come forward.
can drop it off in the office. Um, you can also, too, I meant to say this for those online, uh, you can go to the website uh, or just take our, or just get the QR code, and uh, that'll take you right to the spot where you can pledge online as well. Um, I want to pray. Merciful Father, Lord, thank you for Lord, the sacrificial elements um, of the opportunity to give. Uh, Lord, I pray um, God, that it would be a, a sacrificial gift to you. Lord, that um, God, it wouldn't be just out of our access. Um, but Lord, we would, we would sacrifice for you. God, for others, that they would know you, they would participate in a life as one who follows Jesus. So Lord, use these pledges, God, just multiply the gifts. Lord, you love a cheerful giver. And Father God, I pray that God, none of the pledges, God, were just done out of compulsion or guilt or shame, um, but Lord, out of the joy of giving. And Lord, thank you that you are a God of abundance. And so, Lord, I pray that you give us eyes to see as we move forward. Lord, thank you for Jesus. God, thank you for faith. We surrender this time to you.